my name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Members to Excellence, a podcast that explores the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. We discuss the triumphs and failures that have shaped our lives and our leadership philosophies. I've found that it isn't whether we fail that defines us, but when we do fail, how we respond. Leaders dust off the ashes and use their failures as fuel to work harder and as lessons to come back wiser and stronger, more resilient, more determined, and more committed to excellence. Today, I'm speaking with Tommy Breedlove. He is the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author of the book Legendary and the founder of the Legendary Life Movement, a movement that empowers driven people to be pros in leadership, business, mindset, and their relationships. Tommy challenges high achievers to stop chasing the ghost of more and win and lean into the legendary leaders, spouses, and humans they were born to be. As a premier leadership business relationship and mindset coach who is a regular featured keynote speaker at global events, Tommy started his 20-year corporate career at one of the largest financial consulting firms in the world and eventually became a shareholder, uh, a member of the board of directors for one of the largest public accounting and financial firms in the Southeast U.S., at the top of his career, Tommy experienced a transformational moment, inspiring him to walk away from the corporate world to change his life and follow his true calling. And we're going to dig into that. Uh, first, I want to I say thank you, Tommy, for agreeing to this conversation, to, to coming on here to share your story. And, and I know that uh, any, anyone listening is bound to gain uh, quite a bit of value from this conversation. So uh, thank you so much. Dave, 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 my man from Embers to Excellence. I'm so grateful and humbled to be here. We had a great couple minute conversation beforehand. So I look forward to leaning in and you and I throwing down and hopefully somebody will leave after this being a little better than they arrived. So I'm looking forward to this, my brother. Awesome, man. Well, let's, let's start where it all began. <laughs> Uh, where were you born and raised and, <laughs> and, and, and what was your early life like? Oh man. So we're going to get right into it. All right. I'm in. Yeah, uh, man. so I was born and raised in, uh, South Atlanta. And let me tell you, you've all probably been there or most of you, if anybody's been in an airplane, they've probably been stuck in this airport. So, uh, <laughs> I grew up right next to Atlanta, Hartsville, Jackson, which for like 20 years was the busiest airport in the entire world. And so I grew up in and around that neighborhood. So that is a good, hardworking, blue collar, salt of the earth type of place, man. Most people worked at Delta or Eastern Airlines dating myself, Coca-Cola or Ford plants or in the military. And so good blue collar, hardworking part. Unfortunately, brother, man, I, I grew up in and around uh, a lot of violence and abuse inside and out of the home. And at 18, I was scheduled to be one of the first people, the first person in my immediate family to not only go to college, but have a scholarship to colleges and God willing graduate because no one in my family had ever done that. And that, I was the first slated to do that. And unfortunately, at 18, I became what I hated. I became that violence. I became that abuse, committed a violent crime at 18, 
looking at seven years in prison, not a good thing. That was not in my plan. Uh, luckily, it was dropped down to two heavy misdemeanors, but I was sentenced to two years and spent my 19th birthday incarcerated in good old South Atlanta, brother. So that was my origin story, man. <laughs> so, well, tell me a little bit about how you fix things. There, there had to have been some some outside influences that because coming out of coming out of prison and and setting your mind right and saying you know i'm going to make something out of this you got to look somewhere like who's doing it right indeed great question i love that question let me tell you where it appeared it was kind of like a divine moment for lack of a better word um, I didn't have much solid male leadership and mentorship in my life. I had a I had a grandfather who spoiled me, thank God, because that's the only place I really saw love. But, um, you know, interesting, when I was in uh, the South Atlanta jail, I uh, an African-American gentleman, I was 18 um, at the time and full of rage. And I didn't even know I was full of rage. Um, but this 45-plus-year-old uh, African-American gentleman decided to step across racial lines, which is unheard of in those places, called me young blood. His name was Tony. And he's like, I'm not going to let you become a part of this revolving door system. So through his mentorship, through his love, through his accountability, and through us just chatting for the time I was there. Um, you know, and one thing was for sure, when I got out, I didn't want to go back to that neighborhood and I wanted to get out. And I also wanted to get out of never go back to this place again, because it just wasn't a very happy place. Um, so, but you know, it was amazing to me that it's, Every time that I've hit a quote bottom, for lack of a better word, some people call it transformational moments. I, that was a bottom, you know, it's just, that was a bottom. Yeah. Um, but with his help and guidance, uh, with me not wanting to get back into that neighborhood or back into that life that I was living, um, I picked myself up when I got out. I went to work for a nuclear waste container factory during the day for six bucks an hour, operating a machine for eight to 10 hours a day community college at night. And eventually, man, this is a cool story over three or four years later, I did end up at the University of Georgia, I did graduate with a degree. And this won't mean a lot to a lot of people. But I literally went from a jail cell to a company called Deloitte, in three and a half years, which is a giant financial consulting public accounting firm. And uh, it's one of my proudest moments. But I think between his love, accountability, wisdom, and guidance and mentorship, my grit and my fear, I was able to transform a really tragic, horrible situation. By the way, I was guilty. So, um, you know, a lot of people in those places think they're not guilty, but, you know, it was one of the best, you know, you know, you never want to hurt someone, but at the same time, if it makes you and them over time and healing and accountability, society held me accountable. I held me accountable and I moved forward and moved on from it. And uh, it's one of my proudest moments is going from literally that cell to one of the, if not now, the largest uh, consulting firm in the world. So I'm pretty proud of that. But he had a lot to do with that, my friend. What was it about him? Was it just that he, he saw something in you that you didn't? If I had to look back on it, man, um, I think he saw this skinny white kid who was just full of anger and rage. And once he got to really know me, knew and knew and no matter what our age different was or our skin color different was, is we kind of grew up the same and we were the same person. I was just a much younger version. 
And I think what he also saw was he was never able to escape that lifestyle. And it, he became part of that revolving door and he wanted to, you know, pay it forward and serve. And that's what he did. And he mentored and he guided and he talked about it. And he, you know, he held me pretty accountable too, because, you know, I was young and dumb. And um, I think honestly, brother, you know, once you become a certain level and he was a certain level and he was wise, um, he had a lot of years of wisdom, a lot of years of pain and a lot of years of, you know, moving through that pain. And he wanted to just exert some wisdom on me. And I, I believe, and even to that point, you know, he loved and respected me when I couldn't love and respect me. And so that's, I'm just super thankful that he appeared in my life for those three, those short two or three years that he was there. So, yeah, I think, I think it was just an act of service, gratitude and mentorship when he did not have to do that. At what point after leaving the jail cell, leaving the jail cell, going to college, getting a great job at Deloitte, driven you you're achieving you're you're successful at what point did you begin to love yourself <laughs> i didn't that's the problem and so i just thought because i was ambitious and driven i really was um, I was born with charisma and intelligence. It's one of the few superpowers my parents bestowed on me. And I think the charisma came from just trying to survive multiple different kinds of situations, right? Like, do I need to make you laugh? Do I need to make you happy? Or do I just need to run? Um, you know, so yeah. I think the charisma came from survival, but the intelligence certainly came from my, my family. And so I'm super thankful for that. And also, you know, being able to navigate a lot of situations. I thought, you know, starting my, you know, corporate career that if I just put my head down, worked harder than everybody else, because I'm, you know, I'm a kid from the South side and most of those people had big pedigrees behind their names. I'm not sure how I got through the hiring process, but I did nevertheless. Um, but here's the truth, man. I thought that money, success, status, power, um, shiny things would make me happy. And they certainly, and I'm a money guy. So I'm not, don't, you know, I would go by the TR Becker saying, if people say money's not important, run from them because they're broke. Um, <laughs> but for me, man, I never dealt with those fears and securities. And what does that mean? And uh, never feeling enough. Cause I was taught as a puppy, you know, a young pup that you're not lovable. You're not good enough. You're a piece of garbage. You'll never make anything yourself. You know, I wasn't taught love. I was taught fear and, and rage. And so I thought I would just use that fear and rage instead of, you know, with violence, I'd use it in business. And once I got to the top, no matter how I got to the top, that money, that power, that status, that corner office, and I could check it all off the cars, the shiny cufflinks, the fancy suits, I had it all. And I thought that would make me happy. And there I was at 36 years old, um, looked very successful on the outside, but really what it was, was a bunch of masks you know, an armor, important guy, tough guy, life of the party guy, buys all the drinks guy, funny guy, got, gets all the girls guys. And, you know, none of that was me because I was just trying to mask feeling relevant, mask trying to be important, mask who I really was because I just didn't want to look inside to see who I really was. I just cared so much about what other people thought and what I had. And I looked up, brother, and when the money, the power, the status didn't fill me up, you know, I turned to the to the dark lifestyle, looking, just looking for validation, looking for power, looking for love. 
And, you know, I lived the Wolf of, Re Wolf of Wall Street lifestyle for a few years. And I'm telling you, at 36 years old, it almost cost me everything. It almost cost me my partnership at the firm. It almost cost me my marriage. It almost cost me a lot of money. And it almost cost me my life because I literally at 36, probably doing some big deal or some big financial thing in some boardroom the week before. And, and when it, I just kept getting darker and darker and found myself laying it in a ditch at 36 years old, looking at a blue sky in downtown Atlanta. I think, my God, how did I get here? Didn't know how I got there and where I got there. And at that moment, at that moment, it felt like life or death to me. And it probably was. And I didn't care what I had to do, but I wanted to figure out who I was, you know, what I stood for, what are my core values? You know, who am I, where am I going and who's coming with me and no putting down all that fake armor and mask and not trying to be the important guy. And I was super arrogant before that too. And all that is, is insecurity on steroids. You know, that guy, you've got him in your life. I mean, that was that guy and that, that's insecurity on steroids, man. And I just wanted to be peaceful. I wanted to run from that rage to peace. I wanted to, to live with true courage, with true self-confidence, with true self-love. So I remember, and I'll tell you how it all started. So I woke up in that ditch and it's like, oh, hell, here we go again. This is round two. I don't know if I'm going to get round three. Um, luckily, there was no police involved. Thank God, knock on wood. Um, can't believe there wasn't. Um, but that's the moment. I remember a marriage counselor, because clearly my wife and I were going through marriage counseling because things were not good. <laughs> and I rem remember him saying, hey, Tommy, because he knew I was closed. I couldn't feel you know, I wouldn't open up and, um, literally I was just like a black hole. And I remember him saying, Tommy, there's a place in Tennessee that can do more for you in 10 years. I mean, it, more in seven days than I can do for you in 10 years. And when I got home, I told my wife, everything, I, t I literally told her everything. And I was like, this is who you're married to. I know it looks good and we're doing well financially and got all the shiny things, but I'm self-destructing and self-sabotaging. Like there's no tomorrow. And I decided to go to that place in Tennessee. And in those seven days, they cut me open metaphorically and put me back together, you know, and made me feel, made me think, knew, let me know that I'm not alone in my crazy thoughts and my insecurities and my fears. And they gave me this guidance at the end on how to cultivate self-love, how to cultivate self-confidence through coaching, through therapy, through books, through exercises, and brother, I was 36, 37 years old. And here I am 48 now. And to this day, I have a solid morning routine. To this day, I, I work on my self-confidence, self-respect, self-love, mastering my mindset and becoming the man and leader and human in a peaceful, calm, fulfilled, courageous way in a self-respectful, self-loving way. I still work on it every single day. But over these last 12 years is where I started really cultivating self-love self-confidence, self-respect, you know, standing in my true power, standing with my shoulders back, my head high. And, you know, so now it used to be two steps forward, 24 back. Now it's eight steps forward, two back. And so, you know, those things, I call it Ike or the Tommy go round when, you know, that voice inside our head that gets in there and it's loud, man. And when the Tommy go round kicks in, then Ike appears and Ike's not the guy I want to be. Ike's that kid from the street who kept me alive at that time, but he has no place in my life now. So I see him, I thank him. I ask him to move along because Tommy's got some shit, uh, some stuff to do. And so, so brother, it's been, 
a cultivation of self-confidence, self-respect, self-love, true power, not, not authentic power. And I work on it every single day till today, brother. And so that's the journey of my self-love. I was wondering if we could go back to your childhood and, and talk about those early influences and those, those life-shaping experiences. Um, I, I would say that we've probably got some things in common, um, life experiences in common. And um, I'm, just, I'm just curious, because uh, I, I didn't end up in jail, but I very well Thank could. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, just fine line, isn't it? <laughs> well, well let, me, let me rephrase that. I didn't end up in jail when I was 18. I was arrested later on a um, couple of times. And Got it. very, very humbling, embarrassing. Yep. Uh, pretty, pretty brutal. Um, but I, I, I'm curious, like who the positive influences were and who, who really were the primary influences? Because it seemed like most of the influences you were getting, what they were violent and demeaning. Or abusive or, you know, verbally, emotionally, sexually, or violent or all the above in certain individuals' cases. Um, both inside and out, you know, so it was internal and external on the street as well. Um, I would say some of the positive influences I had were certain teachers um, who believed in me and loved me. Um, I don't think we equip any human being to be, I, I think teachers do the best they can, but I had some, certainly had some very positive teachers in my life. Um, there were a couple of uh, friends in school that were very, uh, you know, I looked up to them, whether, whether it was athletics or music or just smart people moving the ball forward. Um, but there was certainly a lot of negative influences. And, you know, I have, I've done a lot of work around forgiveness. I've done a lot of work around um, seeing them as being humans and God knows what those people went through in order for them to do what they did to us. Cause there was quite a few of those folks as well. And so there's been a lot of empathy, a lot of compassion. Um, but I, you know, it's interesting. I look back on all of that now with gratitude, um, both at the positive and the negative, because I would never be who I am now or able to do the things I do now or would have been successful if I didn't have those tragedies, if I didn't have those fallings, if I didn't, you know, we all have our own story. Everybody's done things they regret um, to what degree. I, you know, what, what's funny is we always compare ourselves with other people. And, you know, if we threw all of our stories and garbage and mistakes and failures and the things we wish we would have done differently in the center, we'd go pick them back up because that's what we know. And so for me, it's about um, living with gratitude now, living for the gratitude. Uh, there's certain traits I had back then that kept me survival and alive that have that pay me dividends to now. Um, but there's also those regrets, those mistakes, those pains, both that were done to me and I did to others is. You know, I've stand on them as a foundation of gratitude, as an anchor. I think a lot of society will play the victim card. And I certainly did that for 36 years to where woe is me. Um, and using our stories and the things that happen to us and the thing we do, we do as anchors that hold us down and keep us in the muck 
and hoping that some sort of politician or magic pill is going to save us. And it doesn't. And so now I have a saying, I was like, participate in your own rescue. Um, no matter what you've done or where you're from or what you've been through, you're not a victim. You're only a victim of your thoughts. You can't change what was done to you. You can only change the reaction to it. So you can use it as an anchor that holds you down, or you can use it as a platform of power to stand on and just draw a line in the sand. You can't do anything about your past. Draw a line in the sand and move forward as best you can with the tools that you have. Eliminate the negative, add the positive, and you can live the life if you just got to participate in your own rescue because there is no magic pill. There's nobody coming to save you, and it's definitely no damn politician going to save you. So go do the work and go chase your dream. So that, that's, that's what I would say to all that. <laughs> yeah, I recently had a conversation with a woman uh, on here where we were discussing, you know, a lot of a lot of the mistakes that we had made in our life, a lot of the the misfortunes, you know, of our early life where we had no control over what was done to us or how we were treated. <clears throat> Moving beyond that. And, and getting to a point where, you know, you want to help others avoid the same mistakes, the same poor decisions, but the value in making those mistakes and falling on your face Amen. was huge for me. Yep. Same here. So I, I feel like what we can do is just be that person that helps that person up off the ground, dusts them off and says, Hey, it's not over for you, brother. You know, let's get going. You got more in you. Yeah. And what we can also do for them too, is give them the gift of going second. So what does that mean? That means um, letting them know that they're not alone. So many people, it doesn't matter if it's your thoughts, you know, that voice inside your head or your fears or your insecurities or you're not good enough or so whatever it is or your story or the things that are done to you. So many of us think we're alone and that our thoughts make us a freak or that, you know, no one else knows what I've been through. If you've been through it, millions of others. And here's the thing, too. Millions of others have probably had it worse as well. So what people like you and I need to do, Dave, is we've got to give people the gift of going second, not emotionally vomiting on them, but letting them know that they're not alone and sharing wisdom, not advice. And the wisdom looks like I was here. I did this. This is what that looked like. And I was like, no more. I'll do it this way. And now here, here's how I did it. Here's what it looks like now. And you're not alone. You've just got to make a choice. Do you want to choose to live your story or you want to choose to live your life? So if you want to choose to live your life, draw a line in the sand. Here's the wisdom of the things I did. Here's the things that didn't work. Here's the things I did work. Now you have a choice. Will you choose to do those things or will you choose to live your story? And that's what you and I are doing. Can you uh, tell the audience to... Uh... I mean, I, I'm very curious. So can you tell me your morning routine? Totally, brother. Totally. Okay. So first, and I'm going to say it in the order of importance, yeah. you must sleep. So rest, rest, rest. So you got to do that. So if you're having trouble sleeping because of that voice inside your head, hold on, I'll give you some tools to help with that. Cause you got to cultivate that mindset and self-esteem. So 
So rest is critical. So part of your morning routine, and I, I have not slept the full transparency. The last three days have been awful. And I feel like I'm at 40%, but I'm still going to kick ass and take names. So rest. Number two, you must exercise your physical body. I don't care what it is. If you're out of shape, no big deal. Take five steps more than you took yesterday. Do something because you have to protect and defend your physical body. Number three is you have to prioritize. So a little bit of exercise, doesn't matter what it is, move your body. And so that's number two. That's morning routine number two. Number three, here comes the stuff that no one teaches us. You've got to work on your mental muscle, your emotional muscle, and if it's important to your spiritual muscle. I didn't say religion, I said spirit. What connects us, all that is. And so here's my morning routine. I have four or five, I got two of them right here. I'll just, I'll, I'll say what they are, but there are literally two of them in front of me. Um, I have four or five, what I call great text, and they're by day. So April 12th, April 13th, April 14th. Um, and they're based in ancient wisdom. So think Stoicism, think Buddhism, think Christianity. And what you when you read these by day texts, like these are all done. So here's one, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. It's just a day thing every day that you can read in Stoicism, and it helps you with leadership, self-confidence, self-respect, self-love. The other one I've got in front of me right now is 365 Tao. That's based in Buddhist and Taoism principles. There's probably four or five others every day. So I read four or five of those every day. That takes about five minutes. But I soak on them. I think on them. And how can I apply that to my life? And what happens over time is it starts rewiring you. You start thinking differently. You start seeing yourself differently. You start seeing your, the world differently. Every single day, I write down five things I'm grateful for. And three of them are back to me because that's self-love. We're not only being gratitude for the things we have, but the gratitude for ourselves, for the things that we do to serve ourselves and serve others. So that's how you cultivate self-love. I also write down my intentions every day, things I'm working on, um, as if they've already happened via gratitude. And I'll give you an example. So an intention is this. This is a goal. Thank you, Tommy, for being a loving, patient present and graceful husband. Haven't felt like I've been doing that lately. So I write it every, after my gratitudes, I write down my intentions every single day. And what happens is, is if my wife says something or I get short with her or snippy, or I feel that Tommy ground slash Ike showing up because I've written it so much, I remember and I pause. And all it takes is that pause and breath. And then I remember be a loving, present, patient, graceful, husband. So five gratitudes every day, I write them down. I write down my intentions every day. And I always write down one or two affirmations. So affirmation is all, intention is about goal setting things I want to work on and thinking myself as if they've already happened. Affirmations is the rewiring. So if you're struggling with self-respect, self-love, self-confidence, um, not feeling like you're as successful as you want to be, whatever it is, um, here's an example of an affirmation. I expand in love, success, and abundance every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. Or if you're just struggling with liking yourself, I am so grateful and happy that I am lovable, valuable enough and worthy. That sounds really woo-woo, especially for a firefighter and a former street kid. Let me tell you what this stuff does. Writing gratitudes every day and then going back and feel them, feeling them, writing your intentions every day and going back. And as you write, I'm working on them and writing affirmations to rewire that voice inside your health, over time, it's like going to the gym. It's like doing the reps, like building that bicep or running that step or shooting that basketball. You get stronger and more self-confident. You start believing. 
So the next thing I do is I meditate. I know this sounds like a lot of stuff. I'm giving it to you all at once. I meditate every day. Why do I meditate? Between 10 and 20 minutes. It helps me to be proactive and not reactive. It helps me to be proactive in life, to think, to breathe, to watch my thoughts, to watch my reactions. It helps me to be calmer. But being proactive to life and not reactive, that means you're the driver and captain of your own ship and not others. Final thing I do is pray. And I always, always, always take time each week to think for 20 to 30 minutes on my life, on my business, things I want to prove. I think quiet thinking time. Actually, tomorrow, it's on my calendar. Tomorrow at 9 a.m. is my thinking time. I will be doing that tomorrow. And finally, every single day, I get out in nature. I walk in nature every day. I don't care if it's a damn blizzard or raining. I get outside because that's my, that's my holy place. And I walk. And I just skit in nature because, it's to me, it's the best thing in the world. So cultivating self-love, self-confidence, self-esteem, and being as powerful as you can be, it's removing the negative and adding the positive. So what does negative look like? Negative friends, negative influences, people not going in the way you're going to. Think about judges, angry people, people who blame politicians, people who are victims, people who are apathetic. Get them out of your life. Fire them. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Just fire them. Number two, means you love them. Just get them out of your life. Fire them. Fire them yesterday. Negative social media. There's positive social media out there. Follow Tommy Breedlove. It's all positive. It's all leadership and life and money and emotional. Like, how do you have strength in your life? Follow the positive, eliminate the negative. If someone on your feed is a politician or has an opinion or has become a doctor since COVID, unfollow them. Unfollow them. You don't need that shit in your life. Sorry. Can I say that on here? I'm sorry. You don't need that stuff in your life. You don't need that stuff in your life. No, you can curse. I mean, okay. Thank you, brother. So the final thing, I get so (laughs) passionate about this. The final thing, man, are you watching 66,000 hours of Netflix, Amazon, YouTube, and all that video games? How is that helping your life? And chances are, now, don't get me wrong. I like some of those shows, but I like them in moderation. But what if you spend a little less time watching violence, war, all that crap that's in our movies and TV, and you spent time calling a friend? You spent time out in nature with a fire. You went and took a walk with somebody you cared about. You read a good book. You listened to this podcast. So it's about eliminating the negative and adding the positive. But the eliminating the negative is the quick fix. That adding the positive is the muscles. The heart muscle, the mind muscle, and soul muscle. And so that's, so that's part of my daily and morning routines. And by the way, I'm dogmatic at them. Because for me, it's life and death. For me, if I don't build those muscles, my emotional muscle, my mental muscle, my spiritual muscle, they atrophy. And all of a sudden, Ike starts leaking in. And all of a sudden, I'm making decisions that I don't want to make, or I'm compromising certain core values I don't want to do, or I become the man I don't want to become. Then I start taking a lot more steps backwards. So me, I want to stay emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically fit so I don't have... Now, I'm not perfect. I screw up all the time, say things I regret, do things I regret. I'm just a man. But doing these things and surrounding myself with positive people, they hold me accountable. They kick me in the face when I need to. They love me, but they, they're going in the same direction. And so now it's about eight steps forward, two back, seven forward, three back, instead of five forward, 12 back. And so that, that's why it's so important for me to continue to cultivate those muscles. Well, I'm right now, I, I am in Panama City, Florida, Hell yeah. every other week, Orlando every other week so i drive back and forth i do uh, i listen to a lot of audiobooks yeah and, um, me too 
is legendary on audible legendary is definitely on audible and here's the great news about that if my southern accent doesn't bother you i'm the one who's reading it to you awesome so it's it's on every format hardback soft cover electronic audible it's definitely out there in all forms and all and you know it covers everything that we talked about legendary is a great it's got good stories in it um, but what i love about legendary is it's very very tactical it's not theory so what I love about like why I think it's become a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller is because it's not theory. It's not some professor telling you how to be a business person. It's no, it's someone who's done this stuff and some a lot of somebodies who've done this stuff. What do you need more of in your life? Is it more time? Do you need to conquer your time and be in charge of your time? Is it more purpose to life? Is it a better network and friends? Is it do you need to be a little bit more financially confident and build toward that financial fortress? Or do you need to master your mindset? Do you need to develop a more power? And I'm talking about good power of self-confidence, self-love and self-respect. Do you need more intimate relationships with your family, friend and your spouse? Do you want to live more of the good life? So each chapter has all of those things and more. And it's very, very tactical. So here's a pro tip for those of you who are thinking about reading it and or listening to it. Go through the, and it's short. It's what I love about it. It's also short. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to spend 60 days of your life working on it. And it's executable and easy and fun. It's a fun, I've heard it's fun. I didn't think it was fun because it took me three years to write it, but I heard it's fun. Um, listen or read the whole book and then ask yourself, where's the area in my life that I want to be better in? Is it time? Is it relationship with somebody? Is it more money? Is it more self-confidence? Is it mastering your mindset? Is it developing a better network? Whatever it might be go work that section and only that section. So listen and read it through. It's quick. And then go back and work the book. The book's meant to be worked. It's not meant to be read. So intention and action. The intention is I'm going to read the book. The intention is I'm going to work on reconquering my time. The action is doing the steps to reconquer your time. So yes, it's on Audible. And thank you for letting me go on all my diatribe there. Uh, you've got an amazing website. <laughs> Where um, where would you prefer the listeners to buy your book? Your website or Amazon, Barnes and Noble? Doesn't, Doesn't matter. matter to me. It's whatever their favorite. I, I got to be careful where I say to do it because if I say one, the other big company gets mad. Heck, if you're in the airport, grab it there, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, but what I would recommend them doing is go to their favorite site, wherever it might be, because it's everywhere. And uh, it, are you into Kindle? Go get an electronic copy. Are you want an iBook? Go get an iBook. If you want Audible, get an Audible. If you want a hardback or soft cover, pick your store that I will not name because the other stores get mad at that. Um, but the intention is to take action, is to actually read the book. It's short, it's quick, it's fun, and then go back and work the section. So I would recommend going anywhere. And if you want like our daily goodness, um, go to tommybreedlove.com and we send what we call our legendary minute. It's one minute or less. It's usually 30 seconds or less. And it's literally wisdom on time, wisdom on mindset, wisdom on leadership, wisdom on relationships, wisdom on life, wisdom on, you know, we're just always constantly sharpening our pencil and putting out content. So that's a great way to follow us too, is our newsletter. You'll hear all the, like we, we're in the experience and retreat business. So we run women's and men's retreats based on the foundations of legendary we run experiences based on that, and we run a community and mastermind. So go to TommyBreedLove.com. Follow us on social media at TommyBreedLove. We're everywhere. 
and you, and it's, that's the adding goodness to your life. We don't put out political poison. We don't go down to religious. We don't condemn and exclude. We don't get woke. We don't go the other side either. We just, we just us. And we're just here to help people be better humans and to love everybody and to lead everybody because we're working on loving and leading ourselves. So we're walking this walk right there with you side by side. This is not what it sounds like to have it all figured out. I'm no sage on the stage or guru. I work this stuff every single day to hopefully be the best human and to, uh, to be the best person I can. So when I do leave this earth, somebody said, you know what, that dude actually did live a legendary life. So there you go. One thing that I've been doing uh, with, with certain guests, uh, when it strikes me to, to ask this question, I've, I've noticed that for me personally, other people, there's lessons that we learn throughout our life. And it kind of seems like there's, there's stages. There's the, the early stage, uh, you know, pre-college, where we learn some, some lessons. And then college to our early career, where we make mistakes, we learn from them, we keep on pushing, uh, become successful. But there's lessons that we that we end up learning from mentors or uh, you know, people that you know, led us through our career. And then when we finally get beyond that, where we're the one that's saying, you know what, I, these are the lessons that have been most important in my life and sharing those with other people. In those three phases of your life, what would you say the most important lesson that you've learned in each one of those stages? Um, so I'd say in stage one, um, I think most people aren't bad people. I don't care what the news left and right say. It's all nonsense anyway. I think 99% of people are great people. I think they want to be safe, seen, heard, valued. They want to be free um, and they want to be successful and kudos to them. The problem is, is they're ignorant. They don't know what they don't know. They're not aware uh, whether it's their mindset, their success. Their, they only know what they've been around. They, don't, they only know what they've been told through school and the media that they consume. They only know for the people they've in the cultures they've associated with. And that's ignorance. That's all of us. And what happens is, is for the very few who like, they don't want, they look around the world and they're like, Hey, that person did it. I can do it. Um, what I call it is ignorance to awareness. And once you become aware, you can't become aware. Like, hey, what mom and dad told me probably isn't so true. Or, Hey, I really like Bob over there. And Bob seems to be going a certain way. Let me ask Bob what he's doing. You know, we, we want to go from ignorance to awareness. And the key is awareness can be, whether it's success or money or time or mindset or relationships or business or life. Once you become aware of the change you want to make, it can become your biggest anchor, especially if you don't take action. But if you start taking action, then you start to transform. So I'd say the first step for anybody is go from ignorance to awareness. That's step one. And step two would be go from awareness to transformation. That's doing the work to be better in whatever phase of your life that you want to be better in. And involved in that too, you have to go, you have to participate in your own rescue. 
Everybody has to go find the mirror and know that's your problem and the solution. Fire the negative side of you and hire the positive side of you, but keep taking action to go from awareness to transformation, awareness to transformation. So that's two of the steps. And the final step would be this. Lead one, do one, teach one. Lead one, do one, teach one. So as you continue to transform and as you continue to do the work, is it mindset? Is it leadership? Is it business? Is it money? Is it life? Is it purpose? Whatever that might be, eventually you become better and better and better. And eventually you start mastering those crafts, but you got to continue to work them. You can't just stop. You don't become a master and stop. You got to continue sharpening the sword. But that's when you got to teach it. You got to go out to the world and teach it. And we have an obligation. You know, I, I think the purpose that I, th I think life is very easy. People ask me, what's the meaning of life? For me, it's to receive, to give love, to receive love, to find your purpose during this season of life, to go out and use that purpose to make your fellow humans, an organization, yourself and others better, and to never stop learning and growing and to be of service. And if you just, that's your stages in life right there. Give love, receive love, i.e., love and respect yourself so that you can truly love and respect lead yourself so that you can lead others go out and find your purpose every single human being on this earth has a purpose during each season of their life go use that purpose to make yourself and others better never stop lowering and learning and growing and finally be just be a net giver and be of service and so i think the final stage is to teach it and that's what you and i are doing right here brother now before we go <laughs> i i noticed on your your website you have all of these retreats workshops things like that can you talk about what you offer in those retreats and yeah uh, really you know if, if somebody wants to employ those services come and join one of your retreats clearly they can go to your website make contact with you and and get in on one of those but just to uh, in, you know, inform the audience what it is that you offer, uh, I assume that it's legendary-based? Totally. All the principles in legendary. Um, and we do women's and men's retreats. And they are separate. And I'll tell you why here in a second. Um, so we offer men's and women's retreats. We offer men's and women's experiences, but the retreats is by far the most powerful thing we do. So I'm going to talk about the retreats. The experiences are more fun and networking and reconnecting. Once you become a part of our community movement, we have a community, a movement, and a mastermind, but the retreats is kind of our, that is, that is the soul of who we are and what we do. And the retreat is a full three-day immersion. It's really one night, two days in a morning. So it's, it's really over three days to where you get fully immersed in all of the legendary principles. You step away from your life. You step away from your phone. You step away from your business or career. And it's all about you reconnecting to you with other like-minded people. And it's in a beautiful North Georgia mountains at a place called the Mountaintop Lodge right there in the Appalachians. So think rustic and not Ritz. So it's a great place to go learn and grow. And we cover topics like purpose. We cover topics like forgiveness and relationships and mindset. We cover topics, we go into the past and then we get to the present and we make plans for the future with intentions and action and execution. And it's a place of leaning in 
and cultivating courage, cultivating self-respect, learning to lead yourself and lead yourself fully so that you can go lead your families, your friends, yourself and others better, whatever role you have in business and in life. And it's really a full three-day immersion. And we also go a hike on the Appalachian Trail. We do some really cool stuff too. Um, but it think it, there's no weird stuff. So we don't go sit in cold water. We don't run through the woods naked. It's all about leaning in to be a better leader, to be a better uh, husband or wife, to be a better spouse, to be better parents, to be better in business, to be better in life, to be better in success. And I guide you through the whole way with a co-facilitator and you connect with other like-minded people. You realize, hey, this is great. And you leave there with the tools, skills, action items, and accountabilities of, hey, if I do X, Y, and C, this particular area of my life, whether it's time, business, success, relationships, whatever it is that you want to be better in, you leave better than you come. And we do it for women and men. And let me tell you why we separate that when we talk about forgiveness and relationships. Usually when a person, not everybody, but most, when a person of the other sex is in the room, they shut down. But when you realize when you're a group of other men going in the same direction and want the same things that you do, you're more likely to open up about issues that you have because we all have issues in our relationship. If you say you don't, you're lying. Um, it's not if, it's when. And so also there's things in forgiveness like our past, our present, and that we, you know, we're more likely to talk about when we're around other people. And so that's why we separate them. But it's a beautiful, man, it's by far the most powerful thing we do. Um, and it's just in a beautiful setting and it's just, it's just, it's just the best man. And it, it, here's the thing too, this is the truth with the exception of what it costs for the facility and the people and the materials. Um, we refund three quarters of it. If you hate it, never had one person remotely come close to that. And so it's money back guarantee, man. That's how, that's how confident we are of these legendary life retreats. And by the way, you, can, you can't join our mastermind if you ha haven't been through a retreat, but you can join our community. So you can join our community, but if you want to go to a higher level and stay connected with all these other people that you go through the retreats with, we do give them, we discern, we don't invite everybody. But if people want to go further after that, we do invite them to our mastermind if we like them and they like us. And then after that, we get the community and the mastermind together two or three times a year, say, say hiking the Grand Canyon or going up to a historical thing or a game. We do do lean-ins, but we also do experiences after that for people who are involved in our movement. So what we want is people for life who people want to lean in and be around like-minded, core value, center-driven people who make mistakes, but hold themselves accountable to it. So that's what the legendary life movement and retreats are all about, brother. So thank you for letting me share that. No, thank, thank you for sharing it. And uh, one more question, the, the group size for your retreats, how, how many people typically? Go? Six to 12. Six to 12. Nice. That's yep. a pretty good group. It's pretty good group. It's pretty intimate um, because of the work we're doing. Um, and you work in groups of 12, you work in groups of six, you work in groups of two. Sometimes it's one-on-one. -on -one. The last day is all about one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that's where we go from the past to the present to the future. But, you know, it's all about connecting with other like-minded people. People come in a little nervous. All you got to do is show up with courage and open mind and ready to lean in. Um, but there's a whole lot of things you got to go through before we let you show up at this facility. Like we interview you, there's a questionnaire, we get you ready and what to expect and you know, how to step away and blah, 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 blah. Um, so there is a huge discernment process <laughs> and evaluation process before we let someone come to that facility. 
Um, but once you get through that, all they got to do is show up with an open mind and open heart. And within the first few hours of the first day, they're ready. They're like, at first, they're like, oh, God, who are these people? We're sizing, you know, what we do as men and women yeah. who are ambitious and driven. That's what we do. But within a few short hours, you're like, man, I'm so glad I'm here. And then by the last day, I'm not kidding. You'll love this, Dave. I'm like, when we're over, I'm like, all right, everyone, you have to go home now. You got to take these and go apply it to your life. I know you want to stay here because we feed them well. It's a beautiful place. It's a cool facility. I'm like, all right, now it's time to go execute on this in life. We're like, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So usually we have to like kick them out of the nest at the end. So it's, it's an amazing thing. All right. Well, I will have a link to your website so people can check you out. And uh, I've got your information about the book. So, and everybody listening, check out his website. It, it's a, a great website. There's a lot <laughs> of information on there and, and pick up his book. Uh, that's actually on my list to do today. I, I Man, I'm sorry, because I really wanted to listen to it before we had this interview. It snuck up on me. So um, but I, I will be listening to it and I look forward to communicating with you in the future. Dave, I'm just honored and grateful to be here and thank you. Let me share life with you and be vulnerable with you. And, and here's the thing I want to take away again. I am just a man and brother and sisters out there. I, I screw up just as much as anybody, but I, I do the work every day to be a little bit better than I was yesterday and just sharpen the pencil a little bit. Know when I mess up, that's okay. Um, a little more awareness. We'll just do better tomorrow. So no, you're not alone. No, I'm walking it right with you. And here's to building a living, a legendary life. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on your favorite podcast platform and visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. My goal is and always will be to add value to as many people as possible. So if I can be of any assistance to you or someone you know, please connect with me via email or on one of my social media accounts linked on the homepage of my website. Remember, our failures don't define us unless we let them, and the only true measure of a leader is the success of their team.